TIN Podcasts. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Due to the coronavirus lockdown, the CIM podcast is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. And, you know, we've been working under some very bizarre conditions for the last 12 months where people are having to learn to communicate in new ways using new tools and new formats. And sometimes we get it right and sometimes we get it very wrong and sometimes we've managed to do business with it and sometimes we fail because we're not sure of how to use the tools and the conditions uh, to help us prosper. And today we've got a very special guest with us, Sawat Tasneem, who is a behavioural change consultant. And she's worked across industries and her specialism is communication. She's worked in the private sector, uh, in the leadership sector and in the third sector across continents, Europe, the Middle East and in Australia. But Sawat, have you ever before in your life had to work under such tricky conditions as these? No, it's been it's been really interesting. I mean, I've, I've worked, I've consulted to to government, um, and I'm still involved in that capacity regarding places of conflict. So that's a a completely different level of of stress. But in terms of working at mass, so we're talking about a whole country essentially, in how we're we're having to adjust, um, be agile in the way we work, but more importantly how we change the way we communicate with the people close to us and with clients via technology. How good do you think we've been at learning it in the last 12 months, would you say? I think in terms of being intuitive, we're, 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 pretty, we're pretty up there. You know, I, when we start bringing emotion into, um, you know, into a trend, when I refer to a trend, I'm talking about how we are all going on this journey via COVID, but there's been other factors that have happened in the past months that I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on later. It's all about trust. It's all about hope. And we want to really clear out the, I say nonsense, but if, if we're talking about sort of the corporate element of it, the processes and literature and information, there's been information overload. And I think now we're beginning to realise that actually we don't need a lot of that. We actually just want to be engaged and informed to a level that we understand. Gemma Butler is here with us too. Gemma, you'll know from the podcast, she's been on many. She's an expert and director of marketing at CIM. One word that Salt mentioned at the start, well, two words, trust and clients. And actually, you know, building trust with our clients, with our suppliers, with our stakeholders has been particularly difficult under these conditions, hasn't it? And the information overload has just become noise. Yeah, and I think I think if you step back just you know, in terms of taking trust, um, Edelman's Trust Barometer 2021, which came out um, last month, showed that trust is at an all-time low. And we talk about all of these things that we're dealing with. You know, we have a health crisis, an economic crisis, an environmental crisis, and a leadership crisis. So, you know, it's, the pressure to communicate clearly, effectively, and in a way that people are informed. And, you know, I think we need to look at the fact that listening is as important as speaking when it comes to communication, is something that 
you know, we've we've taken on board with regards to what we've been doing at CIM. So, you know, we dialed down the frequency and the volume on our communications when we went into the pandemic, which was, you know, some people would say it was a risky move, but we sat back and we wanted to see what the sentiment was. We wanted to listen to what people wanted to hear from us, what they were engaging with. And, you know, and we've done it at the start of each lockdown because unless you listen as well as talk, um, then you can't quite get that right balance. And I think that's what we need across all of these things in society at the moment is balance. We're very, very well. The world's tipped off its axis, hasn't it? And we need to write it back up again. The, the format itself, Sawat, that we're having to work in, Teams, Zoom, uh, whereby, whatever whatever of these systems we use, they're all much of a muchness, really. It seems to me to lend itself more to talking than to listening. You know, people feel that they have to sort of say so the yellow border goes around their face and they they are able to make their contribution. And that seems to me to militate against uh, listening, which is all important when we're trying to build trust, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's really a case of what we're what we've been used to, what we've been conditioned as humans in how we communicate, how we build trust and how we build rapport so we don't have the the luxury now of being sort of face to face physically physiology has been you know so key it is key in how we communicate we already know if we're we're going to warm to somebody or warm to a client the moment we step into a room or to in, in a conference center you know if we have to network we we choose we have that fight or flight mode where we decide okay i feel comfortable in that situation I don't know if I'm going to approach that person, but when we're talking or when we're having to communicate via Zoom, we're forced to a certain extent or we feel forced to amplify ourselves. You know, there's been many webinars about using, I'm doing it now, hand gestures or, you know, really engaging with that that eye contact and tone. So we're having to, to unlearn and, you know, retrain in how we can really get our message across. But there, you, you're right, there is this pressure to, to have to perform or to be heard. And that is going to take a while, but we have to have these conversations. Leaders have to have these conversations about, okay, well, I understand that this isn't this isn't the norm. You know, how do you feel about the current setup? You know, we, we meet on Zoom, but it's also the frequency, how often teams or leaders need to meet because you have that, that added level of pressure of, Okay, I I have to you know I have to have something that's worth listening to. So it's really as as Gemma said, it's finding that balance. But I would you know I would really recommend in in the first instance having a conversation with your team and just asking that simple question: How's it working for you? And you'll be surprised the different responses that, that you know come out of that. Well, I think the, the trouble is that if you from the conversations I've had in the last few weeks and maybe it is because people are getting a bit fed up with it and browned off a bit of it most people don't think the setup is working for them you know I've heard a lot of uh, people say using phrases like well we're actually living at work now uh, rather than working from home um, we're finding it hard to make a bond with people particularly if we're trying to win new business and it's not somebody we already have a bond with and we're not sure how people are responding to what we're saying. And what they mean by that is they, they can hear the, the words that they're saying, but they don't feel they can feel the emotional response in the same way 
that they could when they were meeting in person, in a meeting room, in a bar, in a restaurant or wherever. We would, would have done these things before given the choice. It's yeah, it's, it, it is difficult. So, for example, at the moment, all I can see is your shoulders and your 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 head. I don't know how comfortable you're currently sitting in your seat. So I can't really say, you know, you you don't look as though you're you're prepared to listen to me. Um, you're engaged with me. So we're having to we're having to guess to a certain extent, which is why what we say verbally makes all the difference. And we're finding now that that people, even with the the you know the comms that's coming out of um, leaders by social media, it's the same scenario. We want to have a simple message. Tell us what you mean. Are you being authentic? And will it make the change that matters? Gemma, you're director of marketing at CIM and used to running a big team of your own, but also interacting with other big departments in CIM. And therefore, a lot of your job is about communication inter-team and intra-team. How have you found this challenge having to amplify the verbal comms because you're not getting all that information from the non-verbal communication? It's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because on one side, um, yes, we've only got our head and shoulders as a as a point of reference of where we who we're talking to, but we've invited people effectively into our homes. So you see, so you see into people's homes suddenly, um, and then hierarchy almost goes out the window. You know, kids, it's become acceptable for your kids to run in, as mine does, holding up sweets, knowing full well I'm just going to give her the thumbs up because otherwise she'll start talking or your dog starts barking. So, you know, so there's some behaviours that have become, you know, a, a given, whereas in a normal working environment, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be acceptable, you know, to have background distractions. Um, but on the other hand, we've all got so used to multitasking. There is that barrier or that challenge around if your camera's off, you know, how much are people really taking in of what you're saying? Um, from my own personal experience with my team, I found that it's actually broken down a lot of barriers and the collaboration has has actually you know, gone up in terms of people talking to each other cross-functionally and working together more effectively because they've had to, because they can't just wander over and have that conversation by the coffee machine. So actually, you know, it, it has to be thought out a lot more. And, and we've got into 12 months in, you know, a very good flow in terms of breaking down those barriers that were once there. You don't have the option if someone sends you a request, you know, to wander off and, and go, oh, I didn't see them, you know. So I think it, it's been it's been a quite sort of a mix of challenges and opportunities and certainly from doing the roundtables and stuff that I've been doing the ability to do them across the world time zones you know to get somebody onto a zoom call you can do that really really quickly so you know that breadth of people that can't physically come to my office has just you know has just increased so again it's it's been it's been positives and negatives I think that's interesting, isn't it, Sol? There are some positives to it. Gemma spoke about the humanising effect. There's been one or two examples where chief executives of blue chip companies have been on the BBC. Their child has, has run in, uh, you know, to the room or there have been some other domestic distraction, a pet or a child or, or whatever it may be. And it's not damaged to the chief executive, anything. It's actually 
uh, improved their image in the eyes of the public because it's humanised them. So hmm. there are some advantages to this setup, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really a case of, I mean, those sort of scenarios, it comes back down to relatability. We're, we're, we've been trained to, to, as Gemma said, we've been trained to to work to, to hierarchy and structure and processes. And what's happened now, we're actually all on, on a level playing field. So to be able to see your CEO or your, your board of you know, directors at home, at the kitchen table with a, you know, a cup of coffee in their hand, you can see the fruit bowl in the background, you're thinking, oh, that's interesting. You, know, you begin to find out things about them that, that you never knew. And it only can sort of build that, that, that level of, well, there's no real kind of difference. And it's worked really well in, in the realm of sort of DNI, for example. But mm. what I wanted to, to stress that this is all about change and with change brings opportunity. And so it shouldn't be a case of being afraid to say, well, how about we try this? You know, what works for you? Now's the best time to do that. And many organizations are going through, um, whether it's change in culture, change in structure, change in, um, you know, organizational development. So I've seen this as, as a positive and it's rich, literally sort of thrown, it's thrown the sort of unknowns out there. We should say for the benefit of the tape, we're recording this two or three days before the Prime Minister is due to reveal his roadmap for the, the ending of lockdown. Seems to be a general consensus that sort of the, the, the springtime, the mid-spring is when we can see uh, some notable changes in terms of the business uh, environment. What you seem to be saying, Sarwat, is that, you know, organisations now are planning ahead for a post-vaccine world, if you like, where they will mix the benefits of uh, this setup with the benefits of the face-to-face setup, and uh, some are some are seeing it as an opportunity. What sort of things, in your experience, are they doing to plan for that time where they have both options on the table, both face-to-face and the digital communication space? It's, I mean, this is a conversation that, that has begun literally since March last year, and it's, you know, interwoven with, with real estate. We, we can't talk about this without addressing the, the impact it has in that, in that sector. So it's, it's a case of people looking for opportunities, opportunities in, in as far as um, corporate responsibility, if they're not using as much um, office space. Could that be sublet to third sector or even conversations about working with homeless charities? So we're seeing a completely different cycle of what social value is. It's really about the well-being, the well-being of our employees. We're, we're listening to our employees now. We're listening to does this work for them working from home? We've seen this internationally. We've seen hashtags trending, you know, people saying, well, I've had time to spend more time with my my family. I'm actually more productive. But it's been given that that element of choice and choice hasn't been there before. You know, we have been dictated to. So now, as I mentioned, I talk about opportunity and benefits. It's it's realizing that the office will always be there. You always need to have a space for people to collaborate it brings about a sense of team, um, a sense of connection. And if we're having to talk about, you know, that balance of working from home, again, it's about flexibility. So the, the flexible office has, has been around for, for, for decades. This isn't a new movement. It's just a case of that 
you know, now we're talking about it at a mass on mass on mass scale and it's been stress tested to to with an inch of its life over this last year or so so people have seen the ups and the downs the opportunities and as you say the challenges Gemma Butler I mean you're, you're going to be in a position one would hope in the summer or, or the early autumn where you're able to maybe reform the way or rethink the way you run your marketing department the big marketing department with more choice about where your employees work and how they work have you got any ideas about how you're going to shape that or what sort of choices you're going to offer? Well, I mean, there is definitely uh, an appetite for, you know, flexible working uh, within the department moving forward um, for, you know, many different reasons. And I think, you know, it's something I'm very open to and I want to go into discussion about. I think with, you know, with with flexible working, there is that piece of understanding of what flexible working actually is. At the moment, we are not flexibly working. We are working from home and, you know, working from home, we are in, stuck in one place. Um, so I think, you know, that, you know, we've been looking at flexible working for quite some time. And I think, you know, that trust element has now been broken down because you can see what productivity and what people can do. Um, but I think in terms of, you know, moving forward, I think it's again we come back to balance don't we of the physical office environment and the you know the ability to work remotely which could be from home from your local coffee shop or from you know for me working from your offices Ben in London for the day or my team so I think you know one of the things that keeps coming up is it's that mindset you're you know there's that mental health and well-being balance because you can't be on your own all the time it's just not good for human beings to be on their own all the time but also the mindset around, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm in a strategy meeting and then I have to jump into a creative meeting, my head cannot change that quickly when it comes to doing it over Zoom or, or Microsoft Teams. I I really struggle. And I think if you want a really proper creative meeting, you have to do that face to face with people. You have to see body language. You have to, you know, be engaged and be in the room, being able to move around together. And I think, you know, it depends what what it is you're doing whether you have to be together or where you have to be apart well there's this old uh, english idiom horses for courses do you think that marketing directors like yourself have started to realize which horse or which course in terms of location and form of working depending on what activity they're doing well i think if you're going to jump on the creative horse you need to absolutely ride it into the office and if you if you know if you want more more time to think and reflect then you know you you can work remotely but the whole for me the whole thing is it's there is no one size fits all solution there is no blueprint that you can give to people i think we've got to give people some some boundaries and give people a, a foundation from which to work and certainly from my own experience because i've been working flexibly for quite some time it's trial and error you know it's absolute trial and error um and you'll try some things and they just won't work and so you have to you know you have to mix it up and I think I'd say to my department that you know it's a good year-long sort of experience that you have to go through before you find your flow. We've gone through that year-long experience on the non-flexible being stuck at home part so haven't we you're going to have your clients scratching their heads, I think, in the summer when they say, look, you know, suddenly we've got all of the options on the table. We've got a smorgasbord of options on the table. We want to know how to run a marketing department or a marketing agency the best way that works for our people the best and gives us the most creativity and the most efficiency. What sort of things are you going to be advising them when they ask you those questions in the autumn or the late summer? 
Well, right now, what we're seeing, especially within um, the sort of architecture and design sector. So these are the consultants that are having to, you know, they're watching everything so closely. They're listening to everything, you know, um, more so than before. And we're talking about, um, you know, the, the, what, what is the future of the, the, the office? What is flexible working? Office spaces are being um, designed. So the collaboration space is the focus, but also does it also answer the question of well-being? So behind the scenes, I mean, these are conversations that, that happen with, um, you know, the, the stakeholders, the, the, the decision makers. And it's always been about efficiency and productivity. And now going forward, we're talking about the, the human centric workplace. And that isn't just about the physical or, or how we behave. It's how we communicate. So emotional, emotional intelligence is really the, the space where leaders are having to step up. And again, it's about emotion, emotion in its purest form. Do you foresee any resistance to actually going to a, 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 a sort of a workplace which is which is based on emotional intelligence and good soft skills and actually resistance from some groups or some people to going back to a more structured hierarchical system that we had before this all kicked off? There's always going to be people who, who you know, that that's out of their comfort zone um, and will find it a challenge. But it's really what we're hearing now. We, we see it across social media. We, we see these big campaigns I mentioned before. It's listening to the, you know, and identifying the societal um, developments that are taking place. And the onus has now come back to the people. So the people really are, and I talk about people, I'm talking about, you know, employees, I'm talking about people in the public, we've been sort of led by governance for so long. And the last year, part of the past year, so much has happened that has really kind of opened the doors into, is this right for us? Does this, does this you know, um, reflect our values? It's interesting that, that phrase governance, it's, people have been led by governance and now organisations are being led by trust, Gemma Butler, and that is an absolutely fundamental shift, isn't it, in the way organisations are held together? Absolutely. And I think if you look at the, again, if you look at the Edelman's Trust Barometer, um, actually, whether whether business likes it or not, it's seen as the only trusted institution out of the four, which is, you know, business, NGOs, um, media and government. It's it's seen now as the only trusted um, uh, institute and actually CEOs are being sort of looked to to actually tackle societal issues and where governments aren't stepping in, businesses being looked to as that catalyst for change. So the role of business has just got bigger, which means the role of how you communicate as a business has got more and more important. And I think it goes back to this point around humanising it um, and giving people choice. But I think you know, from my point of view, what we've also seen throughout the last 12 months is this, you know, that people still also want some leadership and they also want some direction. And it's been it's been a very interesting journey when you look at the start where we were in a crisis, nobody knew what to do. And the communications and the complexity of them were, you know, people didn't know what to do or how to tackle it. 
now we've hit sort of the vaccination rollout and we've got a more positive message, suddenly the communication seems a lot easier. It, it's almost, if you're going to communicate a positive message, it's far easier than communicating, you know, that negative complex message. And mm. I think there's been a real shift, um, which has been very interesting. It has been interesting. We you know one of the things that sort of struck me about this dynamic over the last twelve months is what skills have been most in demand. And you know, this podcast itself has said many, many times that there's the digital skills gap. We know it, particularly people my age who are getting a little bit long in the tooth, the Gen Xs, if you like. Far too many digital skills are concentrated in young groups in the millennials and those people in Gen Z, if you like, below them, just coming into the workplace now. But actually, the things that have been in real critical demand in these last 12 months, which sounds to me like is set to continue, is those things that we probably erroneously call soft skills, which might be better oh. termed, Sawat, human oh. skills. Um, yeah. Those, they really have been the, the things that have been driving uh, business for the last 12 months. And if, if you and Gemma are right in your analysis, we'll continue to do so. It's it, it's been It's been really interesting. And we're talking about, you know, generation z so so this is a generation that are are you know influenced um primarily by by digital and there have been some fantastic campaigns and Gemma touched on you know the notion of you know it's always better to to you know to work in digital when you're working in marketing to relay a message that that's positive i just wanted to sort of throw in a few examples apple for example um their campaign about staying at home during covid it was based on the notion of creativity and hope, you know. So we saw this rainbow. We saw this um, message of, of gratitude to the the healthcare workers, people um, really being creative in, in how they communicate, and that did phenomenally well. You know, it, it went viral, and all the messages are just positive. So it's that 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 simple notion of understanding compassion, you know, um, understanding gratitude. And really being able to adjust and understanding tone. So you mentioned soft skills where we're talking about gratitude and compassion. And we're, we're in a place now where maybe, I mean, this might be controversial, but we're in a, a time now where the older generation, I would say, um, you know, we've, we've been brought up in having to engage. We, we understand you know what not to say when to step in or um to be able to just take a slower pace in in um before we answer in a, in addressing uh, an issue have you changed the way you communicate in this period and what sort of tools have you used that you think might you might hold on to in the future i've um i've actually been more more honest um i haven't held back we're in a time where people have wanted answers you know so we're talking to people who actually show their their, their level of um uh, emotion and it's been in the you know in the sort of peak end of of um stress and anxiety i'm talking about leaders i'm talking about decision makers i'm talking about you know people within marketing within um, finance within, you know, across the board. And that's been the, the sort of common denominator. So it's been a really, really sort of positive step in leadership for leaders to say, well, now we can really own this space. 
but we can take everybody with us. So subliminally, you know, you're, you're teaching your, your employees what it means to be human centric because we're using real time, real world events in, in allowing us to, to grow. So this is a time of self growth. It's a very positive message. I, I think one thing anecdotally I've found is that people have become much more honest with their answers, whether yeah. they're talking to clients, whether they're talking to suppliers, whether they're talking to colleagues. You know, they don't necessarily think it's rude if someone says, how are you, for you to say that actually you're a bit, you're a bit under the weather, you're a bit fed up or, you know, you're, you're struggling with your mental health, Gemma Butler, because everybody's in that same boat. And that honesty it seems to me to be a very positive outcome of this last 12 months, Gemma Butler. Yeah, and I think I was I um I did a talk the other day um and we were talking about purpose. And I think this has really, really drilled home what purpose is. It's not just a business objective. And you know, an interesting stat that I found in a report said that 76% of marketers believe they have a purpose, their organisation has a purpose, but only 10% believe it goes beyond products and services, which is a really interesting view on it. So, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot more work to be done and we really need to focus on our purpose, as Sarwak just said, in terms of taking it all the way through and, you know, not being afraid to be honest and open and, and talk about what it means to you. If you're going to lead, you need to be liked. Um, and people want to follow someone who's honest and who they like and who they can relate to. And I think it's it's broken down those barriers to to some degree. And I'd, I'd like to think it would stay around. So some positives after what's been a difficult year. Sawat Tazneem, Gemma Butler, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ben and Gemma. It was a pleasure to take part. If you've enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can also join the conversation on Twitter at CIM underscore exchange, where we'll keep you updated about the latest episodes. See you next time. CIM Podcasts.